Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. And I'm Nick Amaral. And welcome to Ask the Tech Coach. If you're an instructional technology coach, this is the podcast for you. Nick, how are you doing today? Doing great. I am so excited to get back into the podcasting studio. Talk about instructional technology coaching. Nick, tell us a little bit about yourself. You're an instructional technology coach. Yeah, I'm a staff developer tech coach up in a uh, district in northern New Jersey, uh, Bergen County. And, uh, you know, just daily grind right now is planning for summer PD, putting together a little ed camp and uh, starting to get a leg up on, uh, you know, next school year. There's, of course, so many great things that's happening these days when it comes to instructional technology coach. If you are an instructional technology coach, we want want to hear from you and have you be a part of this show. You can, of course, go over to askthetechcoach.com, where we are creating an amazing platform for tech coaches all throughout the world. We want to hear from you. We want to know what you could use on our brand new website and how we can help you out. Of course, there's other great ways to be a part of this. You can go on to Twitter at askthetechcoach and leave us a question and leave us a voicemail over at teachercast.net slash voicemail. We want to hear from you. But Nick, before we get into all of that great stuff that's going to be coming onto our podcast this year, and before we start talking about what other topics we're going to be doing, I have a question for you, man. There's a lot of great things that are happening in the world of instructional technology coaching, but many people don't even know what a tech coach is. What is a tech coach, Nick? Yeah, I think that's a great question. You know, I, I think... you. Most of us tech coaches, some of us think of ourselves and a lot of teachers as just that tech help, that break and fix person. But uh, I think there's a lot to it. You know, we're the we're the innovator. We're the person who's got the freedom to fail. Um, the teacher, mentor, coach, trainee, facilitator, co-teacher. I mean, there's a lot of kind of hats that I think we wear, uh, wear on a daily basis. Um, but I think it just comes down to just being that voice for the teachers, right? Like being that, that supplemental piece to help them lesson design and figure out new and, and exciting things to engage their students in their classroom. And we're that person to help take them, you know, to the next level and uh, assist them along the way, whatever we can do to sort of facilitate the instruction and then in, integrate technology when, when it's due and sees fit. You know, you said that there's a lot of hats that a tech coach wears. I think you forgot my favorite one, <laughs> therapist. Love, I, right. Yeah. You know, right. I, I've, I've been an instructional technology coach. This is going into my fourth year. Um, I am responsible for, stu- for I, I would say students because I, I think of them as my students, but I've got K to 12 teachers and support staff and, you know, really anybody in the building we're responsible for. Right. And sometimes a teacher just wants to come to you and say, I need help. I don't get something. And that's why it's important to kind of join together and help support each other, right? Nick, I'm sure that you have your support group that you go out and say, hey guys, I've been having these issues with my teachers. What do you think? Talk to us a little bit about the importance for tech coaches to reach out to their and build their own professional learning network. No, absolutely. I think what, you know, what you're hitting on is them coming to you as just another voice, but a voice that sees you as 
you know, someone that's equal where, you know, most tech coaches in their positions, we're not supervisors, we're not administration, we're there to assist the teachers in any way we can in a non-evaluative way. And I think they look at that as, okay, this is someone on my playing field who's been in the classroom that has this experience. I think for me, you know, reaching out to you, so reaching out to other people in my professional learning network to uh, bounce ideas off of when things fail on my end and something didn't go right to be able to see what someone else did. And I think you need those things. You know, it's sort of that, that past the pair, uh, past the, uh, the pair thing, you know, where we can get into each other's classrooms for us as tech coaches, that's our way to do it, to reach out to other tech coaches and to see what each of us, uh, are doing in our, in our districts, in our schools. So here we are, it is August and many teachers over the summertime, I, I either, I, I caught them at ISTE and they were excited about their new position as an instructional technology coach. And I asked them this simple question, Nick. I said, what are you going to do first? And they said, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I'm so excited. I've got this thing. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do first. Nick, do you remember being a, a brand new tech coach and, and having the world at your fingers, but not quite knowing what the first step is? Yeah, definitely. And it's scary, right? Because you're, you know, you've got so much going on in your head and all these ideas of things you want to do. And it, it's, it's tough to figure out where to start, especially when you're facing this new, you know, new teachers, new staff in front of you. So this month is August and the entire month we're going to be talking about things that you can do as a brand new tech coach to get ready for the school year. And if you're not a brand new tech coach, maybe these are things that you wish you had or things that you weren't going to be looking forward to. So please join us throughout the month of August. Our next show, just to kind of give you guys a little bit of a foreshadowing here, is all about the things that you can do to get organized for your for that new year. Like what are some of the things that we can do to get organized? We're going to be talking a little bit about that as we go through next week. But today, we're going to be focusing on three things that you need to do before the school year starts. What are those three things that we're looking at? And Nick, one of those things for me is to make sure that I have a good, solid system for collecting, curating, and sharing resources. Nick, do you have a website that you use for your teachers? You know, I do. And, uh, you know, that was one of the first bases of, you know, getting organized and, and getting myself situated with with a new district or with a new staff. And for me, it's just, you know, that having that hub, like you said, that website where you can stream everything through to send out to staff uh, where they know they can go to as that one stop shop for anything they need. And, uh, you know, Jeff, I know you did a, a great job with your district and you have, you know, your cardinal classes and all those pieces that are kind of integrated. So I don't know if you kind of want to take the reins on this, but so, you know, let's talk about a little bit about your site. Well, I think it's important that we realize, and I'm going to use your words here. Sure. Your site, right? Yep. Many, te many tech coaches say, I have a site for my district. I, I, I want anybody out there who's thinking about putting a website together or getting into tech coaching to, to kind of get the idea here. It's not our website. It's the teacher's website. Now, I got to tell you, I made a mistake. I, I've gone through a few different versions of the tech coach website. Um, at one point, I had it in my head that I was going to be building Teacher Cast Volume 2. And you realize very quickly that your job is to not help other teacher casters. Your job is to find the teacher that's scared of turning on the computer. And if you go out there and you build a monster website and say, here, Nick, here's where the resources are, they're going to get intimidated very quickly or not know where to go. 
So that was very apparent after you spend all of this time putting resources together and making it look as perfect as possible and you have everything looking right and then you realize people aren't clicking on it because maybe they don't know where to look. Maybe they don't think like you. Maybe they just need to be spoon-fed a little bit more. And that's not a problem, right? Like our job is to get everybody involved, right? And so I find that there's a few different things that are needed on the website. And number one, it's a clean navigation, right? And and that's, that's a big thing, right? Making sure that your website, when you're looking at a menu or a sidebar or graphics, everything on there needs to be for the teacher that is kind of taking that first jump off, right? Absolutely. You know, and, and it's a good point that you said that because I, I was in the same way. When I put my site, to, you know, putting the site together in the hub um, was redesigning it a few different ways uh, and using different platforms, just trying to get a feel for what it was that I wanted the teachers to experience when they went there. And, you know, for me, it was I wanted that homepage to have pretty much all of the tips and the, and the tech tools and the things that I wanted. I wanted all my tips, my little mini blog posts, whatever it was to just be there on that front page that if you went anywhere on that site, just go to the homepage, right? Like when you click the link, it sends you to the one spot you need to be that's going to have, you know, the updated information or whatever it is I need to get out to you. Now, with all of that comes the idea that sometimes your teachers don't see the educational world the way you do. And I'll give you a good example here. When I first created my first tech coach site, I threw a ton of resources from um, friends of ours, right? People who created these massive websites and they had all of these um, screencasts and blog posts and stuff already done. And because we look up to them in the ed tech world, that doesn't always equal that teachers are going to look at them as the same. And I think where I'm saying with this, Nick, is sometimes it's easier as the school year goes for you, for you as the tech coach, to make your own screencast. I know you can find stuff on on Casey Bell's site, on Richard Burns' free tech site, on Ditch That Textbook, all those great sites. But sometimes it's easy for you to create a two-minute screencast that the teacher can then connect to you as their tech coach rather than saying, hey, Richard Byrne made this great thing or Casey Bell has a great site on Google Docs. Um, What do you think about that, Nick? I mean, do you find that you're creating your own stuff versus going out? Or at what point do you say, hey, Casey has a great site, use this? Or, you know what, I can make a three-second screencast and say, you know, dear Nick, I see you're having a problem, try this. And you have that more personal approach to it. No, you know what it is. I, I think you know what you're saying and get, getting the, those pieces of information that are that are out there already. I think that's a great way to start. But I think in the end, when you say to yourself, you know what, I can do that. You know, it's like I used to find tip sheets and things like that that had enough information, enough to get what I wanted out to the teachers or for them to get started. But as time went on, I found myself designing my own crib sheets, and it just had things, tips and tricks that I just found became nuances to our district. So it became more personalized. And I think it, when it, when it's built and it's organic that way, and as things come up and you start to transition and, and make those videos, I remember doing that in the, in the classroom when I taught, right? Like students were struggling to write thesis statements. So I would just send them a source like here, I found this YouTube video on this teacher teaching you how to write, you know, an appropriate thesis statement. But as it went on, it 
why couldn't I create that video and get that personal connection now with the students where, you know, oh, wow, Mr. A went ahead and he put this video together for us. And now it's just more personal. I see the work and the time he's taken. And I think the same goes, you know, for our teachers when we when we do that as tech coaches. And I think for any tech coach out there creating their first or second website, Having a bunch of pre-made YouTube videos is a great thing to great way to start. Yep. But as you go through, maybe you make it a point of in the first six months, you replace four or five of them, right? Because you're going to sure. have teachers that are coming up and asking you things that you know are on the website. Absolutely. So maybe every, you know, maybe you make it a goal. Okay, every week or once every two weeks, you're going to make your own thing with your own teaching, right? Because yep. maybe maybe Nick teaches it differently than I would. Right. And of course, you don't want to be sending mixed messages out. So having something in your own voice is certainly great. Now, when it comes to putting all this stuff together, Nick, there's several great platforms that I, I wanted to spend a couple seconds on each of those. Now, I wanted to ask you, you, you don't necessarily have a website. You've got a learning management system, right? And you do a lot of your professional training through that. How, for people who are not in a learning management system, how is having a learning management system an advantage or, or maybe how is it a disadvantage for you? Sure. You know, all the create, you know, I'll go with the disadvantage first. One of the things that I found was all the creativity that you want to put into it. You know, it's not, it's not an open slate and platform like a, like a WordPress or, or a, a Weebly site or anything like that. Right. I'm not working with where I can just drag and drop image images anywhere and do anything like that. Um, However, what the learning management does is, is, it's, is it's strength to students, right? Is organizing everything, is putting due dates, is managing stuff where certain things are active and certain things are closed. So I'm a big user and I've, you know, I've used Google Classroom, but uh, Schoology is where I, you know, extensively with LMS work right now. And I found that to be just a powerful piece. That's, that's the hub to my online learning. I send, you know, tip or website updates. I uh, send out some crib sheets I have posted on there as well. Um, and even a calendar and stuff like that. So I just have used that because our students are comfortable. I know our teachers spend a lot of time there. So I tried to find the one spot that made sense where they didn't have to bounce around from tab to tab. Now, in my school district, we have a, another way of, of getting teachers to be comfortable in their digital world. And we use Google Sites. Um, Nick, yep. are you familiar with Google Sites? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, <laughs> new Google Sites, I guess we can still call them new, the Google, new Google Sites. sites right? yep. we, have, we haven't whisked away the old Google Sites yet. But the, they're coming up in, I believe it's three years old because um, we were in the beta program, which is pretty awesome. And so all of our teachers now are using new Google sites for their creativity, for their lesson planning, for their digital playlists, all those great things. And so we've made our tech coaching websites out of Google sites. So I'm, I'm modeling the mm -hmm. technologies that I'm looking forward to working with the teachers on. And the neat part about being in a Google environment and using Google sites is that everything is integrated, right? You have full access to your drive, which means you can insert your videos, your photos, your PDFs, your, your docs, your slides, your sheets, anything that you need can easily be put there or embedded. You've got your YouTube videos, you've got your uh, Padlets, any of that kind of stuff, and you can really turn a Google site into whatever you want. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really important thing to think about, you know, depending whatever platforms that you are thinking about utilizing, what 
does your district or your school use? Um, because you really don't want them trying something completely different or getting lost in a whole new platform. You want to keep it, you know, in-house and again, organic, I'm going to kind of use that word a lot with PD stuff, but I think you just want that to be culminated within your district. And I think you said it, what plays well with other things? Cause you're going to use so many other tools. And if you want to incorporate thing links and Padlet boards and whatever it is, you know, what are the tools that will allow you to, to embed and, and integrate some of that stuff? And, you know, Schoology did it for me and Google sites does it and you can design those digital playlists um, and everyone's kind of comfortable with it. Now, perhaps you are a little bit more tech savvy. Um, I, as you know, build TeacherCast off of WordPress and you're a WordPress guy, aren't you, Nick? Absolutely. And you know that WordPress has many varieties. And the neat part about WordPress is that you can do really anything that you want with it. Now, again, I'm going to go back to a few minutes ago when we said just because you can <laughs> doesn't mean you should, right? There's a lot of right. different things in there. But when we look at WordPress, you know, you can get a free account at WordPress.com and you can make a really nice tech coaching website. Um, it's a free account. And you can do really anything that you want. They've got a bunch of themes. They've got a bunch of, of different features to it. You can embed anything you want. And for no money, you can have a really nice website. For a few extra bucks, you can do, you know, nicholasamaral.com, right? Sure. So there's a few different things that are in there that you can certainly do. Now, if you wanted to have something that's a little bit more safer, um, I'm a big fan of EduBlogs, right? Um, EduBlogs right now, Nick, is running about four and a half million educator blogs, I've got teachers wow. using this. I've got students using this. It's a fantastic platform that is safe. It gets backed up. You can do anything that you need to with it. You can work with your class on it. This past year, I got a fourth grade class um, doing digital assignments and blogging using EduBlogs. Um, very, very easy to set up and, and all free, Nick. Wow. And I will say, you know, I'm not, I'm not comfortable. It's not something I've actually, you know, dove, uh, you know, dove into as far as edu blogs and spend a lot of time with, um, Jeff, what about something like OneNote? You know, could, could we use that? Could that be something that would work as a, as a website or, or a way to culminate a hub? Well, I'm glad that you asked that. Cause it's important as we start this, you know, the ask the tech coach show, like this is not going to be a, a one size fits all. We're not just going to be Google happy. We're not just going to be Microsoft happy or Apple happy. I mean, we are here to support everybody out there. Um, OneNote is an amazing resource if you're in an Office 365 environment or not. Um, I work with teachers all the time in a Google environment that are using OneNote because it literally can do everything. Now, the difference between, say, using OneNote for your organization, for your digitalness, and Google Sites is, at least in my opinion, OneNote is not a website builder, right? So you have to think of navigation differently. They've got tabs, they've got notebooks, and there is a, there's a navigation to it, but it's not quite the same as building it. But what you can put in OneNote literally is everything, right? The one thing you have to realize is that with OneNote, what you see is what you get. You're going to put something up in a corner. That's what it's going to look like. The nice thing about OneNote is that it works really well if you're on a desktop or any of their mobile apps. And I've been switching back and forth. I've got some podcasts that I organize strictly in Google Docs, and I've got a podcast that I organize strictly in OneNote. And I don't see the difference between the two. Um, 
I do it because it's a it's, it's kind of like one of those mental exercises. I, I, I try to keep my mind going, and that way I also keep up to date with all the new features here because there's so many great things about OneNote or using the Microsoft system. You know what? We would actually love to just ask you guys out there, what do you do with your tech coaching website? What are you building it off of, right? You can, of course, reach out over to askthetechcoach.com. We have a little, you know, ask us a question bar right there. We would love to hear from you. Or if you're on Twitter, you can find us at Ask the Tech Coach. We would love to interact with you and learn more. So let us know what you're using these days for your technology coaching website. But Nick, that's not the only thing that a tech coach has to think about putting together before he meets the teachers for for the first time. What else should a tech coach have available for them? Uh, you know, a way to, to uh, an appointment calendar, a way to schedule all of your events and uh, what teachers you're meeting with and, and keep yourself organized. It's a way to stay sane as a tech coach. And and what's what's wrong with just writing everything down on paper? <laughs> you know what? As a tech coach, and especially me, I'm bouncing between bu- two buildings, so I can imagine, you know, district-wide and bouncing even further, um, just picking everything up, right? Like, I need everything on my phone, on my tablet, whatever it is, and, and I want to be in one-stop shop for myself. Um, I don't want to lose papers and things like that. So, um, and just the, you know, the feeling. I got, you know, Gmail and things on my phone. I want the ability to, oh, something changed. I want to quickly be able to change it at any time, any place, uh, and, and respond back to staff, you know? There are times where I'm not in a building and someone emails me and I'm running into, you know, building B, and I can respond back and I can quickly go over to my calendar and schedule something. So I want to be able to take Take, take all my notes, all my paper stuff, and, and basically have it with me at any time, any, pl- any place. And, you know, the, import- the important thing here is that the appointment calendar comes in two varieties. I find either the tech coach is managing the calendar or the staff members are managing the calendar. And what I mean by that is, you know, let's say that I'm your tech coach, Nick, and you say I need some help. Option one is I send you a link to my calendar and say sign up. Or we do the email dance and I say, hey, when are you free? And then I'm the one putting it in. And you have to think of that in a a few different ways. Nick, do you have any tips and tricks when dealing with calendars and your staff members? (laughs) Yeah, and I've played with a lot of them, you know, I, I, and I've just gone through a Pointly, Calendly, um, which I liked, you know, Calendly, Calendly was a nice one. Uh, you Can Book Me, that's another one. I think a lot of them now are, are jumping uh, into the paid version where if you want to really manipulate the calendars, you kind of got to pay for it, especially like You Can Book Me and things like that. Um, Google calendars, you know, like I, I was mentioning Google before with my uh, email back and forth. I use that. I set up an appointment slot uh, or set up an appointment calendar for staff to be able to book and and i have that linked to uh to schoology and i have it linked to a, an online hub a website wordpress uh site that we put together um and just to allow teachers at any moment to go in and they know where they can go to book me they can kind of see where i'm at from buildings that you know for the most part because we're you know we're so open we can bounce around a lot but i want that ability i want them to be able to take ownership of it i want them to be able to schedule a time i quickly get the notification and i always tell them if there's a change if there's something that i need i'm going to get back to you if i don't you know if you don't hear from me assume all is good i'm going to see you at that time i also also, I will say I don't stop teachers from emailing. I just found that to just be there are some, like you said, less savvy tech wise that just want to be able to talk to you via email. Um, I don't, you know, I don't discourage that. If they do it, that's great. You know, I do try to reinforce the 
book me through my calendar, um, but I don't use that as the only place. I do take into consideration the emails and things like that. Now, Nick, do you find that you have to train people on how to use calendars and in the invitation process at all? Yeah, you know, it's funny, especially teachers who want to set it up because a lot of them, some, you know, really still don't know about that feature to to design the appointment calendars uh, within Google. The other thing, too, is sending out the wrong link. Right. Like I always find that as being an issue is you got to understand, like you can't send the link to the page of the calendar that you're on your physical calendar. We need to send the link that's generated from the appointment calendar. So, you know, that sort of thing. And that, that stumps a lot of people. Um, and then knowing you know, that you can actually set up multiple slots, you know, in one time frame or session like that. So Things like that. You know, there, there's a lot of work, and I think teachers have to get comfortable with that sort of thing. Things like Calendly, where there's just the one bullet, or you can book me, where it's quickly, like, grayed out, is a nice feature as well. Um, and I've played with that a lot, and, and I found luck with both of them. Now, I find that at, at some point, every tech coach is going to have an issue. And, and I like to play the game, Nick, called, why don't you send me the calendar invite? Because sure. number one, if they want you, then they're going to do it. They're going to do and it. Number yep. two, that's also a little test for me to see how well they know things. Because if they go, oh, I don't know how to do that. Well, then there's right. one more conversation point. Absolutely. But what I also find is sometimes, you know, and I, I say this a lot, right? Google, Microsoft, all these different programs, they're not designed for you. They're mm-hmm. designed to be collaborative. So you're going to get yourself into a situation where I will say, you know, Nick, why don't you send me a calendar invite? And so Nick goes on to his calendar and writes, meeting with Jeff, and then sends that to me. Now, I get that in my email, and what do I read? I go, meeting with Jeff. Right. And so I find sometimes I have to say, you know, like, what, and this is, this is the learning, this is the teachable moment here, right, Nick? Sure. When you put a calendar appointment in, you don't do it for yourself, you do it for them. So you might say, meeting with Nick and Jeff about something sure. there. So that way, when you send that invitation, it doesn't just have your name on it. It actually has everything that you, you, know, that you need to do in there. And I, I find sometimes as a tech coach, those are, the way, those are the ways that I get into classrooms or I get into conversations with teachers of just those little side door conversations. Nick, do you have any, any tips on maybe, you know, sure. what, what's your number one tip of how to, how to break that wall and actually get into a, a good conversation? Let's not even say classroom yet. Just good conversations with teachers. Yeah, you know, one of the things you mentioned it earlier, and I kind of wanted to touch on it, and I just want to kind of go back is, is modeling the things, right? When you pick a website, you pick an LMS, whatever it is, uh, you talked about Google Sites, and you even mentioned digital playlists, right? Like you designing a digital playlist using Google Sites is modeling for the teachers a whole nother teaching style, right? A whole blended learning opportunity. So like when I use Schoology and I kind of gamified my uh, PD all uh, via Schoology, that was a talking point because that then got teachers like, wait, how did you set up these separate modules? How did you get it to, to close out certain paths? Oh, what is this about the gamification leaderboard you have? Now we get talking, right? And now it's like, oh, well, what I'm doing for you is I'm modeling 
what gamification is. And I'm showing you how to create these badges and release them through Schoology. Hey, you can do that with your students. It, they become talking points. So any of these things we do, I just think that, that that to me has been the biggest thing to opening up me getting in the classroom has been let's get these starter points, these talking points first that interest you. And then from there, let me come in, let me show you, and we can spend some time facilitating the instruction in the classroom. We can spend time uh, meeting and putting together, you know, the digital playlist or the self-learning paths that you want in Schoology. You know, Nick, I think the one thing that's clear for any tech coach is that the beginning of the school year is always difficult. You're, you're, you've got teachers that have no time. They're getting in their classrooms. They've got to get stuff together. They've got things to do. And here you are saying, hey, how you doing? And it's, 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 it's easy to feel lonely, right? Sure. And I think for any tech coach, the number one thing that you can have on your side is a very strong professional support group, professional learning network. And there's so many of them. Nick, where do you go to turn to for your professional learning? Sure. You know, I get out for conferences and things like that. And I think we have to do that. I think, you know, we have to stay on the cutting edge and a lot of our admin, our districts, our teachers, uh, they, they do expect that we have the answers for everything. Right. And it's not going to happen, but we try our best to stay accustomed to stay on the cutting edge. And, and that's one of the things is getting out, but it is building a little cohort. You know, like I have my little cohort of people I'm really close to in the ed tech, you know, in, in teaching and the ed tech coach world, uh, you know, you being one of them and, and bouncing ideas and, and staying in contact. And when you have those struggles, knowing that you have a group of people that you can reach out to that probably share in a lot of the same issues, you know, that you do. And when just that idea that, you know, I'm not the only one. Oh, man, I had this down day and I didn't meet with anyone. Let me see if other tech coaches had that same issue that day you know, or in general that they've run into this issue and why and start bouncing ideas. How can we get in more classrooms? Or I want to try using Ozobots in the classroom. How do I do it? I don't have the experience in doing that. Let me reach out to someone who does. So, you know, find a niche, find a group and, and make that your go-to cohort. You can find a great professional support group over at askthetechcoach.com. This is episode number 11. On our show notes post, not only have we gotten detailed information on everything that we've talked about, but we've also got some great links. One of the posts that recently came out on TeacherCast is called 10 Great Instructional Technology Coaches, 10 people that I've turned to over the last couple of years, Nick being one of them, of where I go to find some great information. There's also a great professional learning network over at ISTE called the EdTech Coaches Network. Um, they've got a great hashtag. They do Twitter chats. They're very active at the convention. Nick, have you had a chance to interact with, with anybody from the EdTech uh, Coaches Network from ISTE? Um, I have, you know, uh, and just various people. I think a lot of them, some I may not even know if they're part of that, but I, you know, I, I stay in contact with people from all over, you know, I remember, and I think that's one of the big things just to remember, um, it's the same for teachers, you know, when you're teaching, don't be afraid to reach out to other people. We, we were hesitant to do it and to reach out and it, it feels kind of weird at first, but, um, you know, I still I remember talking to people in Pennsylvania and California when I wanted to gamify my classroom in the high school level. So, you know, Chris Aviles, uh, you know, I stay in touch with him and t uh, tech up teacher and talk about things in STEM and, and maker spaces because I know he, that's a big thing with him. So, you know, find a niche for people, know what they're comfortable in and, and then build that connection. I think he's part of that. Right? Has, he, has he been on that SD? Uh, Chris is amazing, and he's yeah. certainly one of the, the top 10 great tech coaches, um, a, a, along with, with 
well, nine others. Um, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of great things that are out there. Now, guys, this is, like I said, Ask the Tech Coach podcast episode 11. We kind of started the concept a while ago and didn't quite take off, kind of started the concept. Nick and I recently came together and said, we want to help you. We want to help the tech coaches of the world out there learn how to get comfortable, learn how to work with their teachers. But that can only happen if we work together. So we want to know where you are out there. We want to know what kind of things you're doing in your school district. Maybe you're a new tech coach or maybe you're a tech coach that's been doing it for a while. We would love to have you on this show. We've got some great things. Our plan is to release an episode every Tuesday. We're going to try our best to keep to all that. But the idea here is to really walk you through an entire school year as the, you know, a, a day in the life of a tech coach here. So August, we're going to be talking all about the things that you can do to get ready for your school year. And as we get into September, we're going to be talking about ways that you can bring the technology into the classroom without being so overbearing, right? Because that's an important thing, right, Nick? You don't want to be walking into a, a school district going, I know everything. Let me help you, right? You don't want to be that guy. No, definitely not. And, and you, again, you want to feel it out, right? Like building the relationships and getting a feel for the staff and the district's needs and the school's needs. And, and yeah, don't be that guy, right? Don't come in. It's tough when you have all those ideas and these fun things you want to do, but find out what they're doing and try to meet those specific goals uh, of the group that you're specifically working with. So we welcome you to go over to askthetechcoach.com. Sign up for our mailing list. We're going to be doing a lot of tech coach-focused things. And over the next couple months, we're going to be developing some, uh, some freebies. I like freebies, Nick, don't you? Definitely. Freebies um, for me. One of the freebies that we recently put together is a little spreadsheet on gamification um, because we actually had a teacher ask us, what is gamification and how it works? Nick, I, let's just kind of do a 30 second here, but what sure. is gamification and how does it work? Yeah. So often, you know, misinterpreted, right, with game-based learning. And it's not just playing games in the classroom as much as I love that idea and Super Smash Brothers and Call of Duty and bring that in, right? But it's it's not. It's using game mechanics in the classroom. So how can we increase student engagement via an avenue where students spend a lot of time, right, especially after school and sometimes during it now with Fortnite? And how do we use game mechanics where you can pick different paths and, and increase the difficulty level and then beat a boss in the end. How do we bring those things to, to education in order to increase student engagement um, and greatly affect student, you know, impact the students in the end? So look for that over on teachercast.net. You can, of course, search for it over there. We've got a lot of great stuff. Um, Nick, you've also been writing some nice posts on TeacherCast about Schoology. Yeah, I have. You know, it just it just was a great LMS that I spent a lot of time using. And, and I just felt it'd be another resource out there for people to hear from someone who's just kind of gone through it uh, and used it both as a teacher and now in the PD setting. So I released a couple, right, with your help. And we've put it on TeacherCast. And we have, uh, you know, uh, ways to stay organized using Schoology, how to organize your courses and how to archive and restore for at the beginning or the end of the year, things like that. Just ways to stay sane and clean up your, your presence and Schoology. So remember, go to askthetechcoach.com. You can, of course, find this podcast wherever your podcast listening habits are. That's Apple Podcasts, the new Google Podcast, Stitcher Radio, you name it. We are out there. And, of course, we would love to have you as a subscriber. And, you know, reach out. Be a guest on our show. Find us on Twitter at Ask the Tech Coach. On behalf of everybody here in the TeacherCast Educational Network, my name is Jeff Bradbury. And I'm Nick Amaral. 
and reminding you to keep up the great work in your classroom and continue sharing your passions with your students.